0: Last week, we talked about finding the next new vision. This week, we asked the question, are you leading a hollow organization? After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes?
1: A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later... We're on the search to get that question answered.
0: If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you.
1: We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa.
0: Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Welcome back to the podcast. we got a great topic today. We are going to be discussing the problem of hollow organizations It's something that we've seen crop up over and over and over again, talking with clients, looking at different organizations, and we're excited to dive into it, talk about maybe how to avoid it, how to solve the problem, and also, what is a hollow organization? So Lisa, why don't you kick us off?
1: Yeah, you know, when we think about building up a nonprofit that's functioning well, a lot of times nonprofits go through a period of growth. Maybe you're right at the beginning and you're really starting to get people on board, or maybe you've been in existence for a while and you're finally starting to have the right people. You're getting the followers, you're getting more buy-in, and your organization is growing. Um, And we love how that feels. And we've seen so often that when organizations start to get the flywheel really, really going... Um, when the systems aren't quite put in place, soon the organization can almost take over your life. And I know if you're a nonprofit, you're like, it's already taking over my life. <laughs> what do you mean, it um, could? because <laughs> nonprofit doesn't usually come with hours, especially as the leader of the organization is always on your mind. But we'll see what happens within organizations. as it starts growing? There starts to be success. You're starting to see the outcomes that you want, and. There usually comes a point where it's like, man, we need to start putting some systems in place, some healthy boundaries in place, making sure that things are going really well. I want to kind of liken this to like making a cake, right? You get all the ingredients together and things are starting to work. The chemistry is happening. You're starting to see the final product coming together. And then pretty soon you're baking it and it's like, oh man, there's a lot of temperature here. The heat is on. I'm really feeling the pressure. And you know, we like to take the cake out of the oven and possibly decorate the cake. But what happens if you get the cake out of the oven, you decorate it, it looks beautiful, but you go to actually eat it and you cut into it and the whole thing just falls?
0: Deflates.
1: It deflates. <laughs> like it wasn't properly cooked. It wasn't proper. Like something in it went kind of goofy and it just is this hollow, mushy thing that doesn't have the structures that it needs. We see this in organizations when the heat is on. And And suddenly the leaders of the organizations think, this is taking up a lot of time, I need to get systems in place. And instead of setting up the systems for the organization as a whole, they set up systems for their personal lives so that the organization stops encroaching into their lives. And in this process, it becomes about how can I make this efficient? How can I make it so it takes up less time? How can I make it so I have less conversations with people? How can I streamline this? And what happens oftentimes is that you end up with a core leadership portion of the organization and then all of these followers with a completely hollow, hollow middle Um, and pretty soon the growth that you're seeing and the stuff that you thought was working, it's not really there anymore. And everything is being done by just a handful of people, at which point you start to realize, Oh my gosh. We don't have new leaders coming in. We don't have future board members coming in. We don't have the staff in place. We had the right people. Where did the right people go? And there becomes this disconnect where instead of having a large group of people where you have followers and some people who are getting involved and key volunteers and leaders, and then your core group of people, instead of having the spectrum, you have the two ends and a hollow center. And at that point, you kind of start to realize, what do we do now? Because if we lose just a few people do we have an organization anymore? If the Mm. cake falls, do you have a cake? It's not technically a cake. It's pudding at that point.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And if you've missed some ingredients, it's not even going to taste good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, I want to say this too. We talk a lot about capacity as an organization. If you want to continue to grow, you want to build your capacity for growth. um, That is a big part of this conversation because... Capacity also has to do with support structure Mm -hmm. and structure within the organization, not just from a system standpoint, but also like people, Mm -hmm. positions, um, staffing, all that stuff, because without those structures, you can only build a cake so tall. Like you'd look at like really awesome looking wedding cakes and they have. A structure on the inside. They're not just made out of only cake, usually. <laughs> mm-hmm. When they get that tall, they've got to have like an actual like tier system.
1: Yeah. And just to be clear, I'm not saying as a leader that your nonprofit should take over your life. We do need to have healthy boundaries as leaders. We do need to make sure that we are setting stuff up well for our own personal lives. However, setting up the systems when we get to that place, we have to make sure that those structures are in place, not just for our personal lives. Because if that's our only focus... Then you don't have everything supporting the whole cake. You have mm-hmm. one little part that's supporting the top little layer, and then the top little layer doesn't have all the other supports that it needs in order to stand up where it should be.
0: Right, and you might you might find yourself at this position, but you don't necessarily realize that you've got a hollowed out organization. You just feel like you've reached a cap, and you can't really figure out why. Mm-hmm. It's like we have you know we have all of the things that we should be able to have to continue to grow. Why aren't we growing? A lot of times that is due to having a hollow organization. And if you focused on filling back up and actually building some of the support structures back in, the organization will continue to grow. But things, you know, an organization is not going to grow beyond its capacity Mm -hmm. and the support structure that keeps something from becoming hollow is part of that capacity
1: yeah so you just said you might not even realize Mm -hmm. that you have a hollow organization so let's talk about a few of the key things that are kind of little red warning signs that you can kind of start to look for um you can go ahead
0: well okay Uh, one one really great way to kind of analyze and see if your organization has begun to hollow out is what did your uh Your whole team from the people at the very top to the people at the very bottom um, and also just the followers in general, because the followers are at the very bottom of the hierarchy. Right. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who are just like super nominally involved and probably not really even involved. They're sort of watching from a distance. Um, If you look at the whole structure of there of that, what did you used to have? And did you lose some of the roles in the middle And made up for that with other things. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen this happen in a few organizations that we've looked at where it's like they had a bunch of key positions on the inside. Some key volunteer leadership, some key volunteers, some key staff members. And over time, attrition just happens. It naturally happens. People move away. People go to college. People... Get different jobs it's not anything necessarily bad but we have to plan for it because what, what some organizations will do is when uh, when someone is taken out of the organization for whatever reason maybe you had to fire them um, it's important to look at and say not only what were they doing Doing on like a task basis, mm-hmm. but also what was the support structure and the the infrastructure that they were bringing to the organization too? Because I see a lot of tasks get moved around in nonprofits, where it's like this person was in charge of this. They went to college. We need to just give this to somebody else, and that maybe they'll um, load that onto somebody else who is willing to take on more, or maybe they, maybe they're not willing to take on more, and now they're gonna like totally <laughs> no, so fry the choice. person, <clears throat> or. Um, what ends up happening is, or maybe they install like technology to mm-hmm. be able to take over that person's spot. And while technology is great, it's a great tool. It can't fill the hole that is left by a human being, especially in a nonprofit situation.
1: Yep. A lot of times with that, what we'll see is the tasks being delegated and what's being forgotten to be delegated is the care and the community of the people that 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 one individual is leading Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of times that's what falls and people think well we have the tasks done so therefore the systems are working but what that's like saying the frosting
0: is on the cake so who cares about the inside but
1: what fell through when the communication and the community and that fell through what fell through was the capacity of the organization Mm -hmm. because a lot of times the staff member that's picking up the tasks they might have room for the tasks but they don't necessarily have room to take on a whole new group of relationships
0: right there are unseen stuff there are unseen things that key people in your organization are bringing to the table and then there are seen things mm-hmm. that they bring to the table and as a leader it's really easy to see the seen things <laughs> it's mm-hmm. really hard to see the unseen things I feel like that was a really redundant statement but, but still
1: you need to hear it
0: It's and so when we take a look at what a group of people, or a team, or an individual is bringing to the organization. We have to learn what are the unseen things that they're bringing to this organization because those those could be integral to our capacity
1: mm-hmm. as an
0: organization. So if that if It's getting if we're getting hollowed out for whatever reason. I think a lot of organizations felt a big hollowing out with COVID. A lot of people stepped out for various reasons. They had to scale back. They had to, you know, had maybe even do like layoffs and stuff like that. That's a hollowing out process. You have to think, okay, in order to get back to capacity where we were at before, we're going to need to figure not not just how to do the tasks that were left undone but now we're gonna have to figure out how to rebuild and get the community building and the interpersonal relationships and all of the strength that comes from having the right people in the right positions all the way through the organization, not just at the Mm -hmm. top and the bottom.
1: Yeah, because I think when something like COVID happens or you have any other thing, that's just a pivot in your organization. Um, In the pivot, in those moments of crisis, at at that point it becomes about, we just need to get through. We need to survive (coughs) for the next month, figure it out, figure out how we can make this work, get the systems in place, just get it done. Um, But the minute that you have that, you have to very quickly... Um, Or if it's been a while for you right now, look at your organization and say, all right, did we get this working to the point where we no longer need people? Because as a nonprofit, if you have taught people that you no longer need them, then they will go find somewhere that they are needed. Mm -hmm. Um, Another big indicator that you might be a little bit hollow is if you do regular events and the only volunteers are the same volunteers every single time. So let's say you do an event every quarter. And maybe you need 15 people at that event. If you always only have 15 people, or maybe you need 15 people, but you only ever have 12, and they are the same 10, 11, 12 people time and time and time again, um, that is your organization becoming hollow. Um, Just over time, people are going to get worn out unless you help them build in The health, um, or unless you're investing into them. So, what's happening when you have the same few people doing every single event? um, Either they are highly vested, but they have the potential of getting worn out, or maybe they move. Maybe something happens, like Ted said, attrition happens. Um, And so, those numbers are going to dwindle over time. The other thing that this is telling you is something about your events isn't bringing enough value to the person for them to invite other people along. And so the only people who are showing up are the ones who are highly, highly, highly committed. And it is great to have those people. It is so great to have those people. That being said, if you only ever have those people, then there's some people missing.
0: Yeah, that's a big red flag that you're not bringing enough value to that position that other people aren't volunteering themselves say like, hey, can I can I be a part of this? Like, I really want to help. That looks awesome. That looks really fun. It looks very it looks like it's well worth my time. And also you're having the problem of that same volunteer, not like inviting their grandpa to come help, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like they know people. And if it was really awesome for them, they would they would bring people along for the ride.
1: Mm -hmm. And so if they're not bringing people along, it might be that they see it enough and they're like, I care about this. But I don't know if I want my friend or family member to have to experience what I'm experiencing.
0: Like, I'm committed enough
1: that I will deal with it.
0: Exactly. But but like, but my brother, he's not as forgiving. He would hate this. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what that's what's going through people's minds when your organization starts to hollow out. Um, And the people who are squishy in the middle and who are. You know, right on the edge of being able to say, hey, I want to be more involved. There's something holding them back from getting involved. Um, and it's our responsibility as leaders to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. Start asking questions to do things like when attrition happens, really dig in and try to figure out what's actually going on. You know, are they are they simply moving away? Awesome. Ask them questions about, like, how do they feel about not being able to serve anymore at your organization? Like, are they really bummed out about it? Or are they kind of like,
1: yeah. It's fine. I'll find somewhere <laughs> you, you,
0: else. You don't want that. <laughs> like, you want them to be like, I have to move. And I'm really, this is the thing that I'm upset about, the fact that I have to move.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd say another one is if all of your events are putting on are being put on by solely key leaders. This is very similar to the last one um, in that it's the same people over and over again. But as much as we want to raise up and develop leaders as nonprofit leaders, um, we also need to know that we have to have people who are helping our organization grow who are leaders and who are doers. Like, we have to have that balance. If you only have people who are ever just task oriented and they're just doers, or if you only ever have leaders, um, something is becoming lopsided and you're going to have an issue when it comes to scaling those events because you can't have a whole team that are only leaders (laughs) (laughs) trying to run the event. You also can't have a whole team.
0: I'm just imagining, like, like can you imagine? Just an anthill would get nowhere. Right. if they were all if they were all leaders mm-hmm. it would just be a bunch of individual grains of sand
1: you also can't have an event that's being run by all doers um, and if you're a leader and you're like I can handle seven or eight people reporting to me great. But what do you do? How do you scale? Do you have a couple leaders who you're bringing up so that if it grows to where you need 15 people, 20 people, 50 people, 100 people, are you building those up now? So if you only ever have one or the other, that's a red flag that either people don't want to do the tasks. Maybe it's too disorganized. Maybe there isn't clarity. Maybe they don't feel valued. Maybe there's something there. Communication is happening where you're basically saying, we only value leaders here. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe there's something going on there. Or if you only... Or if you never have any leaders, um, that's a red flag and just kind of saying there's not space here for growth. Mm. Um, I want to be able, like there are people who want to help your organization, but if they don't think that there's a way for them to actually get involved or they have to go against their natural wiring and their natural tendencies, they will more often than not remove themselves from the conversation versus fight for a place in it.
0: Right. There's a reason like you got to remember there's a reason why your organization is hollowing out. And sometimes it's and it's usually sparked by some sort of external factor like Mm -hmm. COVID. Yeah. But. It persists and it gets worse because of poor leadership.
1: Yeah. And I mean, little things can change it. It can be something big like COVID. It could be something that you as a leader went through something in your personal life and you had to take... Like a month where you're just very focused on your family. And that's good that you chose to do that. But you need to recognize that those little moments yeah, that's a big moment for you. I recognize that. But from your organizational standpoint, all they see is man, the leader was MIA for 30 days. Maybe things Mm -hmm. are changing and culture starts to shift a little bit. And if you don't come back and really understand that maybe the perception has changed and really make sure that things are still moving forward, um, it doesn't have to be a big thing that causes an issue. It could be that your quarterly event changed to like the month after one month. And it was just enough to throw people off their game. And that just started just a little bit of attrition, just a little bit of it doesn't quite work for me, just a little bit of something. And instead of finding more people to help, the leader's um, tendency would just say, you know what, it was a weird thing. We ended up having to do a different month this time. So I'm just going to pick up the pieces. I'll just do the tasks. We'll just get it done. We'll put in the extra hours. We're not going to worry about training anyone. It'll be fine for next time. Um, little things can grow into huge issues, and having a hollow organization is a really big issue that doesn't feel really big until it really, really hits.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I remember um, leading the, the band team at the church, and I had uh, just this really fantastic volunteer who was, uh, like, really talented, like, super, super great guitarist. And, uh, the only problem is he would show up and he would like just not care, you know, like he would show up a little late you know, he would not come to like team meetings and that stuff. And like, I was sort of like, okay, I know I'm going to need to actually let this volunteer go like fire a volunteer, (laughs) which isn't fun, but I had to do that. Um, now when he left, I had to, I I immediately recognized that there was a vacuum that was left by him. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't just the talent, although that was a piece of it. People are attracted to talent and skill. There's also uh, just like a friendship gap because he was good friends with several of the other people on the team. So I had to figure out like, how do I work on filling that void Personally, as well as I got to like start finding people right now that are going to like fill that spot all around, not just like I just need another guitarist like I need another talented guitarist. And I need and it doesn't necessarily need to all be one person, but I need to have a talented guitarist. They need to have more friendship people or friendship oriented people that are really going to just make people love being around them. Like I needed to do that. So we, we held like a big audition because I was like, I might need like four or five people to pick up the mm-hmm. to hold this spot that this one person held. And that was a pivotal decision for me. And just like that, I'm sure I could think about and find lots of situations where I failed at that and created a hollowing as well.
1: I love, though, what you just said, though, is you recognized what that person was bringing to the team that was beyond the task that they were doing. And you knew you might have to find four or five people to fill their shoes. Hmm. Um, I think so often when we have one person leave our organization or one person have to step away for whatever reason it is, we think, well, they are one person, so I need one more person and that is not always the case. Um, I'd
0: say it's rarely the case, especially when you're talking about leadership because yeah. the cream rises to the t- the cream of the crop rises <laughs> to the top. <laughs> um, the, you know there's there are super super people that do exist and they will come into your organization and they will be awesome and they'll make things work really really well but unless you're super intentional to make sure that they don't start to create this like Potential black hole if -hmm. they leave Um, and it's not like an intentional thing but if they start doing all the stuff and you're like oh my gosh they're so talented they're so amazing they work so hard they do all this stuff they whatever unless you help them to start to kind of like build up people around them that are learning from them and getting acclimated with the different things that they do you're gonna have a big problem if they get hit by a bus tomorrow hmm. We got to remember that these incredible team members that we have are only here for a season, mm-hmm. no matter what, whether like hopefully, God forbid, they don't get hit by a bus. But I mean, there's going to be a point where they need to leave at some point. hmm. And we need to remember that and build things in a way that assumes, yes, at some point this person will leave, even if it's 30 years from now. But I want to build things now so they still feel needed and known But in a way that if they go, it's not going to create a hollowing.
1: Right. And part of that, too, is as a leader recognizing this is my key leader. I am familiar enough with a couple of their key leaders and I have enough of a relationship with them that if this person steps away, they are still connected to the organization. Now, whenever a leader leaves, like there are going to be some volunteers that follow. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just kind of how it goes. They're very vested there. But if you have one leader and you say, oh, you know what? They're great. I don't need to deal with anyone under their leadership. Um, you will have a much harder time (laughs) if they step away.
0: Absolutely. Um, And, and that's, I mean, that's just one of the prices of leadership in a nonprofit. I I would say also in, in a for-profit too, mm -hmm. It's just it things are a little different when you're dealing with paychecks and pensions and that kind of stuff a little bit more on the on the nonprofit side, so much more of it is about the relationships and the like the personal fulfillment and all and the training and all the things that they're getting out of it
1: mm-hmm.
0: as well as knowing they're accomplishing the mission and all that stuff. So you just gotta make sure that when you look at your your whole team from the top to the bottom, you're pinpointing. You know, if this person was to go to college next year, what do what would I do and start building for that now?
1: Mm -hmm. That is a very very big thing. So, listen, we've talked a lot about what hollowing is and how to kind of identify it. Uh, Let's give people just a couple practical things that they can do. First, one thing that you said right away was look at your org structure from when things were growing and things were working really, 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 really well, and then really look at your org structure for where it is today and try to look for the gaps and not just the gaps in the tasks.
0: Or the gaps in the titles.
1: Or the gaps in the titles, because... That's not what this is about. This is about finding the gaps in your capacity. And titles don't hold capacity. People in relationships and systems and structures do. So look for the gaps in the capacity within your organization. Look at who had the capacity before, uh, who has it now, if you look at how many volunteers different leaders had back when it was building, and then you look at the leaders that you have now and kind of get an idea for how many volunteers you might realize that you've lost a couple leaders who were just huge for bringing in people within your organization. And maybe you didn't notice because in the process of transitioning the tasks, you just didn't notice how many people uh, were really serving under that individual.
0: That's true. Another thing that you can do is uh, remember that, those the oh man I ke- I I feel like a broken record here but exit interviews are one of the best tools you can possibly have yes for preventing a hollowing <clears throat> out of your organization because it's going to give you so much information that you need you know remember that even if somebody leaves for a good reason you know that I mean that's the best time to do a a a, exit interview. In I don't interview. know why I forgot the word. I just said it. Um, if you're going to do an exit interview with somebody who's you know just leaving because they're having a kid and they need to take time off or whatever, this is the perfect time to get really real honest feedback from them about how do you feel your leaders are performing? How do you feel the tasks are? Do you feel like somebody else could be trained to do what you were doing? Mm-hmm. You know, if they're kind of like, actually no, I'm kind of like the only person in the world who could do this, like that's really bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that that's, that's the time where you need to figure out, oh, okay, how do we split this into a few different roles rather than just the one role?
1: Yeah, and just like exit interviews, having regular communication with your key leaders. Um, not just like, oh, we had a staff meeting, but like actual one-on-one conversations where you talk about job performance, but not solely from the are you doing good or are you doing bad, but really... And getting, not just
0: task-oriented. And right not right task-oriented,
1: right? Yeah. but really asking who their leaders are, what's working, what isn't, and helping to see the areas where maybe they need help growing um, their capacity and then also see the capacity that's being built so that you know what could possibly be coming down the line. Um, I think sometimes it's so easy to find a leader who you think is just a rock star. um, And because they're a rock star, it's just so much easier to assume, like, if I just pretend they're always going to be here, then I never have to acknowledge that they might leave. (laughs) And we have to acknowledge that people will likely leave at some point and having those regular frequent communications is going to put you as a leader in such a better position if and when that happens.
0: Right. And I would say, lastly, build some systems for finding great people, mm-hmm. because if you operate assuming that people, great people are eventually going to leave and that it's OK and normal, You also have to have great systems for finding and raising up and bringing in new great people Mm -hmm. because great organizations do have great people in them. They're not just made of a bunch of people who, you know, know how to push a button and you just systemize everything. So each person has, you know, it's not an assembly line. Nonprofit organizations are not an assembly line. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There is so much stuff and so much interpersonal stuff that matters. So build good systems for hiring. Build good systems for onboarding new volunteers. Build great systems for, you know, asking people what they enjoy doing versus what they just want to do because they feel like it's going to help. You know, build these structures now, assuming that somebody is going to leave at some point and build job descriptions that are fluid, but also take into account. Here are the capacity parts of your job, not just the task parts of the Mm -hmm. job.
1: Yeah, that's really good. We would love to hear from you um, as you're putting these together. If you have any questions or we'd like to hear what you realize about your own organization, you can send us an email at office at legacybuildersinternational.com. That's office at legacybuildersintl.com.
0: Looking forward to next conversation we get to have next week.